Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Isaiah 59 and verse 15. Let's read the word of the Lord. Are you ready? Set? Go. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. And his own righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, the coastlands he will fully repay, so they fear. The name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And I think many of you know verse 19b. If you have the new King James or King James, go ahead and let's read it together. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Then the, the Redeemer will come to Zion. And those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord, verse 21. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you. And my words, which I've put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. It truly is amazing to me. A lamp unto a feet and a light upon our path. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would ignite these words as they go forth from these lips of clay that it would burn faith in the heart of each and every person that hears. Lord, that we would be transformed and encouraged, strengthened with might in our inner being, that there would be a release of your kingdom here and now as I preach your word, and may the effects be far-reaching even to eternity. In the name of Jesus, can you say amen? Say hi to two or three people and say, get ready. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We do, again, have notes for you. Last week, I talked about abortion and uh, preached naturally as a Christian and a Bible-believing man of God against abortion and gave reasons for why we believe the way that we believe. It's interesting to me in conversations I had with some this week that their belief system was not based on scripture but based upon what they felt was right and uh, that is a very dangerous thing because how many of you know feelings can change with the wind 
And if we're making laws based on what we think is right, which we are, and when I say we, I don't mean necessarily us here in the congregation, but you certainly have voted, if you did vote, for people who have made decisions that have affected our nation, affected our state. I want to preach to you a message that was preached in Maui by Dr. James Morocco called Raise the Standard. And as he disciples me every week, I talk with him numerous times throughout the week, and I listened to this message, and I thought, no, that's, that, I've got to preach that. So I put my own, uh, well, I said it this way, I milk a lot of cows but make my own butter, and I'm certainly not calling Dr. Morocco a cow, but what I am saying <laughs> is that I've made it my own, and it is a powerful word that's going to touch you and all those in the hearing this morning. Have you ever been overwhelmed? Writing the notes. You ever been overwhelmed? You're like, yeah, I have. Have you ever been overwhelmed by evil? It can be quite a thing. Overwhelmed with darkness to the point of even despair. Have you ever had that? Not everybody has had that, but it does happen in life. There are moments like that. I want you to know this morning, this afternoon, this evening, wherever you are, that there's hope. Come on, bump your neighbor and say there's hope. There is hope for every situation, every circumstances. There is hope. Come on, say it again. There's, there's hope. This text that we read, you read modern translations in the NIV and others, it, translate it translates it differently. There's a corresponding picture here uh, found in Revelation 12. I'd like you to go there. We're right in the introduction to understand what's really happening, Revelation 12, this corresponding picture, you um, interpret Scripture by Scripture. You never pull interpretation out of Scripture to get it to mean what you think it means. It, it's got to line up with, with Scripture. That is part of the test of what theologians call canonicity. There are three tests for canonicity in the Old Testament, four tests for canonicity in the New and so when you read this text, it, it does match with uh, Revelation chapter 12. I'm going to take it from verse 13 to give you a picture of the context of what's happening, not only in Isaiah's day, but here in the book of Revelation and an aspect of the character of God. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 13. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she'll be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time. Out of the serpent's reach, verse 15. Now, I'm, I'm not going to go into all that right now. Verse 15. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with a torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon spewed out of its mouth. It's a picture. It's a picture of what's happening in Isaiah. It's a picture of what happens in the book of Revelation. And it's a picture of what God does today. The na very nature of God. He wants to help you. He wants to intervene in your life. He wants to heal you. He wants to provide a way of escape. God is good. And there's, there's, come on, someone say, I've got help. Yes, you have help. 
today. He wants to intervene. He wants to intervene in our nation. He wants to intervene in your family. He wants to intervene in my family. He wants to intervene in the earth. He wants to. That's, it is, he's, he longs to do it. It is his very nature. And the verse here fits the context of God coming to rescue here in Isaiah. So let's look at this. Isaiah's prophetic word is spoken to, of course, Israel in the time of which he spoke it. Nation was going through in his time, but it also is a profound picture pointing to our nation. God wants to get involved. Come on, say that. God wants to get involved. Go to verse 1. Let me show you something. Now, we didn't read verse 1. We took it from verse 15. But we're going to look at some of these verses prior to because they're very profound in the context not only of Isaiah's day, but in our day. Are you ready? Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. The hand is a picture or a symbol of personal action. How many of you know God can do anything? Okay, if you don't know that, now you know God can do anything. He's God. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. The ear is a picture of ability or a willingness to hear but not just to hear to respond. So Isaiah is saying, he can do it, absolutely. My son, I guess, had been doing some arm wrestling here and there, and uh, so he was telling me about that. I said, let's go. He's like, no. I'm like, how come? He said, because. It's because he knew I'd win. I can still beat him in certain things. It's a picture that God's hand is more than able to solve any problem in America. God's hand is more than able to solve any problem in Russia, in the Ukraine, in China. God, God, come on, somebody say, God's certainly able. But the picture of his ear not heavy, in other words, he, he's not deaf. He, he hears. He sees, he hears. He's not like an idol. Watch verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face. Your sins have hidden his face. Come on, somebody say that. Say, your sins have hidden his face. That's a picture that he can. He can hear you. He's able to hear you. But he's not responding because you've been hidden from his face because of iniquity or because of sin. This is what Isaiah says. It's not that he doesn't possess power or but that he can't hear no no it's the problem is iniquity sin has caused separation sin is causing alienation that's the problem of Isaiah's day it's also the problem in our day God desires to answer our prayers but there's something that blocks them and it's it's sin I'm writing the notes that that Scripture in Peter is, a, is a, a favorite scripture of mine. I know Pastor Kirsten as well, Dr. Morocco as well, many others. All men ought to know that scripture that says, men, you best take care of your wives because otherwise your prayers will be hindered. That's intense. And all the, all, all the ladies said, you know, that's right. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you got to take care of your wife. You got to take care of your spouse. Otherwise, you'll hinder your prayer life. It's going to be like, what? Oh, yeah. Wake up, Jimbo. No, 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 not, not you. Where are you? 
God's not obligated to hear you. He's not obligated to touch you just because you came to church. I'm, I'm glad you did. Some people come to church and be like, God should thank them that they came. No, he, he's not obligated to listen to your prayers either. Let me, let, me try, let me say it this way. There's people you don't want to listen to. I'm coming over here. How many of you have people that you don't want to listen to? You're like, I just... Well, I'm just going to confess that there's people I don't want to hear either. I've, I've, been, I've, been, I've been places where people just can't, I mean, it's just like they should wash their mouth out with a bar of soap, just cursing every, I'm not offended by people cursing, people that don't know the Lord curse, people that know the Lord even curse, though they should not. Come on, sweet water, blessing and cursing should not be in your mouth, says James. There are people I don't want to hear. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. The Lord doesn't listen to people who harbor sin and don't obey him and don't listen to him. It, it, it hinders, what do you mean? You mean if I'm really in trouble, he's not going to hear me? No, you cry out to God, he's still merciful. But I'm saying, if we live in such a way that displeases him, it hinders our prayer and it hinders his response. Now, I want you to look at verse 4. No one calls for justice. I mean, this is... This is, this is America right now. Our world is deceived. It is the craziest. Have you ever, have you ever heard of anything like it? Now, some of you are like, you know, Generation X or Millennials or whatever. Anybody that's lived any length of time has never seen the kind of nonsensical things that are happening. It's because we've gotten away from the Word of God as being the cornerstone of our nation. And sociological law has become the law of the land. Sociological law means whatever I think is right or what I believe is right, then that's what should happen. I was talking to family members. And one of them had a greater morality than the other. And they don't know the Lord like we do. Had greater morality than the other. But what I found after that phone call where one person was just, you know, oh yes, men should, could absolutely have the right to become women. And then men can, and, and then women can be men if they want to. And they can all give birth and chest feed. Oh, that's a thing. Chest feeding. You heard me right. I didn't say breastfeeding. I said chest feeding. That's terminology that's now used in the woke medical world where a man wants to give birth to a baby. It's not called breastfeeding anymore because that's offensive because men don't have breasts. I found that their arguments, while one was more for a truth as we know it, and the other was clearly into sociological law and as however somebody wants to believe in whatever they want to do, they could do it and it's right. I came off that conversation and I thought, even the person that's standing for what's right is only standing for what's right because that's what they believe is right. Even though it does happen to be right according to the word. In other words, their decision of what they feel is the right thing is not based on truth from God's word. It's based on what they believe in the culture that they were raised. Now, I'm thankful for that. But at the same time, our morality, right and wrong, is found in scripture. Not according to what you think is right.
and wrong. Verse 4, look at verse 4. Our world is deceived. Verse 4, no one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch viper's eggs and weave or spin the spider's web. All of media spins everything. They're spinning everything everywhere. It's a picture of our media right here. Oh, my. News outlets. Look at verse 9. Therefore, justice is far from us, nor does the righteousness, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there's darkness. For brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like the blind. There's so many experts out there. I guess I left out one of the poxes. You know, there's monkey pox now. I told my, I told my wife, Pastor Karen, this morning in a heated moment as I was praying, I thought, we will never close again. Not that we did, but we altered things. And we were endeavoring to try to do the right thing. And that was quite a challenge for pastors across the land. I will tell you, the churches that, that obeyed some of those things, they don't exist. The ones that held fast, they all doubled in size, including us. And I'm, for that, I'm grateful. And so I said, I will never, she says, unless the Lord tells you. I said, that's right. <laughs> Amen, babe. <laughs> Not that we ever closed, but again, I think, did I, did I say that there's clown pox out there now? Okay. God's intention is to intervene. I want you to say God's intention is to intervene in my life. God's intention is to intervene, and he has intervened. And this really is a messianic scripture also talking about, especially verse 21, about how God would intervene, sending his own intercessor, sending his son in the fullness of time, says Galatians. God has intervened through the work of Christ and through the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit and through his church. That's us. God intervenes through his church, his people. God intervenes through you and me. You know, what you allow will be allowed. What you stop will be stopped. Whatsoever things you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Look at the things that are being loosed in the earth. You say, well, it's not my fault. See, we all want somebody else to do it. Is it, is it just me? I, there, there's times where I just want somebody else to do it. No, God, God looks to use us. God's speaking to us very clearly. We as his church are clothed with God's armor and filled with the Holy Spirit. God, God uses your mouth and your actions as the standard. God uses us as the standard. The Spirit of the Lord is lifting up. Isaiah 59, verse 21. Let me read it to you. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you, and my word would I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from your descendants, nor from your descendants' descendants, says the Lord. It's his plan. Go to Ephesians 6. It's his plan to use us. You know, uh, um, whether you like it or not, um, we believe that 
getting high and getting drunk is, is wrong based on scripture. So when there was a great push to bring cannabis inside the city limits, in all honesty, it had to be just a move of the spirit because it snuck up on us and that there was a hearing on a Monday. I found out about it on a Sunday and I said, I'm going to be at the hearing. This is the only advertising we did. I'm going to be at the hearing on Monday for cannabis being allowed inside the city limits. I'm going to be there. I'm against it biblically. And so I'm going to speak. Do you know what happened? I mean, half the church showed up. We, and, and all the stoners were late. Now, obviously, not everybody that's for cannabis is a stoner. I get it. There are those that believe in uh, alternate uses. And, but, but if you're getting high, I, you know, I don't want to get into that too much, but we, we took a stand. And because we took a stand, I mean, person after person after person, because we took a stand, it was moved outside. This, otherwise, you'd, you know, otherwise, you'd see it differently. And I don't know where that law is out right now. I just know that if we don't stand up, then things aren't going to change. I've told you before, you know, I was on this little mini porch. It was about the size of this little section of the, pol- the platform right here. And I'm out there drinking my coffee, and some well-meaning, deceived uh, Christian cult people pulled up on my block. It was a cul-de-sac. It had about 15 houses on it. And I'm looking at them get out, and they get their kids, and I can see it's a Christian cult. I said, hey, and they're like, hey, hey, good morning, good morning, I said, yeah, this is my block, I said, what, I said, yeah, it's my block, these are all my people, I mean, they weren't, but I was witnessing to all of them, I've intended, I claimed it, that's my block, he said, what, I said, yeah, don't come down this street, this is, my, this is my block. Oh. Okay. I'm like, all right. They got back in their car. And they went and deceived another block. I, I didn't have faith for that block. I should have said, hey. It's my city. Hey. It's my state. Hey. It's my country. You need it. Who's going to stand? Who is going to stand up? Who's going to intervene? Who's going to be a standard? Who's going to vote? Who's going to pray? Who's going to do what God called us to do? Come on, don't just roll over and play dead because before you know it, it'll be on your front porch. Man. As for me, says the Lord. Wow, I love this. My covenant with them. It's his plan to use us as a standard. Are you all there? Ephesians chapter 6. Now this is correlating. Paul, it's fascinating. Paul picks this up from Isaiah. And he's talking about the enemy has been released like a flood, but the Lord's raising up a standard. This is what he's saying. In Isaiah 59 verse 17, we read it. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate. The helmet of self, does this sound familiar? Helmet of salvation on his head, put garments of vengeance to clothing. Look, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For we struggle not against flesh and blood. We don't struggle against politicians. 
We don't struggle against your next door neighbor. You're not fighting against your spouse. You're fighting against demon power. There's a horde that wants to take America down the primrose path into great delusion and deception and unleash a flood from the serpent's mouth. But God is looking for a people who will stand, who will stand and not... Not, when, what do you do after you're done standing? Keep standing. What about then? Stand some more. What about then? Continue to stand. Submit to God, says James. Resist the devil and he will flee. It's amazing how things in our own country and in our own state are decided by really just a handful of people. Put on the full armor of God so you can stand your evil day. He's picking up from Isaiah. God's saying... That I have a people that'll stand, and if they continue to do that, you can turn the tide. You can change things. We battle a real enemy, and it is absolutely, positively, the host of hell. We've got to do our part. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to do my part. What does that mean? Your part is to stand. What does that mean? I would say that's probably vote, speak, testify live i mean i could make a whole bunch of points under here but we've got to do our part if the nation depended upon you for a turnaround how how would the nation be doing now i I, i've poked fun before but you know so many people are upset about the ten commandments being pulled off the capitol rotundas and moved from from the court steps and removed out of the courthouse well you removed it from your heart a long time ago Let's have a praise break. Not feeling the love right there. Come on, somebody say, oh, God, help us. Well, you have a crack open, another six-pack of Bud Dumber. You heard of Budweiser. It's actually... All right, you might get that on the way home. Now, we've got to do our part. We have to stand. It's the same phraseology. It's fascinating. The enemy is flooding our lands through laws being passed. that are evil in God's sight. And as a, as a democratic nation, we the people determine the laws, what the laws will be by choosing who will lead us. You determine the law, what the laws will be by voting. You say, well, I'm, I vote this party because my parents were... Listen, those days are... You've got to flush those days. Those are over. Because the parties are not the same. You need to, there's corruption in the Republican, there's in Republican Party, there's corruption in Democrat. We need, we need people to raise up a standard. We need people to vote. We need people to run. We need people. We need people that'll speak the truth and love, but, but stand. And who you vote, that's why it's very disturbing when we vote for people and they change their mind. You really got to know who you're voting for. Understand what will happen if the Supreme Court overthrows Roe versus Wade. What will happen is it doesn't stop abortion. It just moves those decisions to the states then. That's what happens. So if, it, if they overthrow Roe versus Wade and the Supreme Court decision, just like the Dred Scott case should have been overthrown, and it was, this needs to be overthrown, biblically speaking. I'm not trying to make friends today. You can, you can think differently, but you need to study God's word and respond from that, not basing to, to public opinion or what you feel about it. And then the decision will come to Alaska, will come to 
Missouri will come to California, decisions will then be made, and whoever is in the place of making the decisions will vote for the state. It's, you know, the 1960s were different. I was born in 1966, caught the last part of the 60s there as a little baby, but there was God-fearing, God-fearing people back then. God's word really was, I mean, things started going awry for sure, free love. It wasn't free and it wasn't love. And there was just a tremendous distortion in our culture. And, but, I mean, you still had shows like Father Knows Best. You still had, you still had, you still had a, a cornerstone of the belief that, that God was on the throne, that the word of God was real. There were certain things. They, had, they used to have blue laws. There was nothing open on Sunday. Now the only one that obeys that is like Chick-fil-A. It's amazing. They're doing pretty good. Let me say you can't close on Sunday. Apparently you can. Our constitution was based on the belief that God speaks. Man is not God. Let me run that through again. Man is not God. And this ultimate affront to me is that, see, once you remove God from the picture of being the creator and originator of life, then you can begin to define people and begin to define things differently. So then you can say about a, a baby that it's just tissue. Then you can say about a human being in the womb that it's a, a fetus. You can begin to give terms and terminology that, that dehumanizes. And I preached this last week, different message, but along the same lines. You can dehumanize people. And if you dehumanize people, then you dehumanize everyone. And I, I said it humorously, it's not funny, but all the people that are against abortion are alive. I promise you, if you were to take the vote to the baby in the womb. You know, one of the things, I, is it, um, uh, I don't know, I'm looking for some of our physicians, but I, I think I'm, I'm close to it. I think it's at 40 days they have brain waves. Babies have brain waves at 40 days. Do you know that brain waves are one of the ways they determine whether somebody's dead or not? So if somebody's brain dead, they have no more brain activity than they're dead, even though they're breathing. So what would be the difference if a baby now has brain waves at 40 days? And you can kill that? You can kill that precious child? Not according to God's word. It's because of the dehumanization of, of the human being, just like Hitler did with Jews. Useless eaters. And so then you can make ovens and kill them all because they're not real human beings. They just look like it. Now, human beings are made in God's image. Genesis 1, 27. Just finished a section of our studies on Imago Dei, which is the image of God. You're not made in the image of an ape. You're made in the image of God. You can create. You can think rationally. You can worship. You can, you, you can do things that, that porpoises and turtles and other animals can't do, don't do. Why? Why is that? Why is that that you looked in the mirror? I looked in the mirror on the way. You might not realize it, but I did. And I, and I just went like, all right, I, one eyebrow is jacked. 
check my nose out, make sure I don't have any bat in the caves. Come on. Why would you do that? Some of you put makeup on today. Don't raise your hand. Maybe some of you should have. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We think in terms of beauty. We look in the mirror. When we do selfies, when we take selfies, the first person you look at is you. Why is that? Because the dog doesn't do that. You can't hardly get a dog to take a picture. Cats as well. You know, yesterday I was driving uh, on Chirac Road. I came down a hill and I saw a um, 65-year-old man, give or take, with a a very healthy um, golden retriever. And he's walking his dog, and there's this body of water. Now, has anybody ever had golden retriever or lab or anything? They love water, generally speaking. And the man's walking the dog, and the dog, dog just jerks, yanks him off into the ditch, full blast into the water. And I laughed so hard, and my only regret, my only regret was I didn't record it. And then afterwards, I thought, oh, that wasn't nice. And the guy was like, gets up, he's like, I was so mad at his dog. That's the way I feel sometimes with our nation. I feel like somebody's trying to drag me in the ditch. I'm going to stand. How about you? Now I'm going to stand. I'm made in God's image. Human beings are immortal. Genesis 2, 7, a living being. Human beings are sacred. Genesis 9, they're sacred. Human beings are sacred. We could go on and on and on, but unborn children are human beings. You know, I started to say, if man is God, then you can make a man a woman. See, if you then become the center of all things, and you can decide what's what. If we all voted to change the color of red, to call it black, it could, it could take place. It could happen. So black's not a color. Whatever. When man becomes the center of things and becomes God, then you can call anything you want. There is people who are trying to legalize pedophilia as a sexual orientation. And I promise you, it's coming. It already is happening. And, and bestiality. And on and on and on. You're like, you're grossing me out. Well, then do something. Stand. Come on, somebody say stand up. All right, what do we do? Oh, I'm sorry, a few more points. The Bible gives a picture of the unborn baby in the womb as human beings. Luke 1 and 41, Genesis 25. God formed us in the womb. Psalm 139, Isaiah 49. So, well, what do we do, Pastor? Well, first of all, Pray. Pray for godly leaders and perhaps pray that you would be be one of them. There's a lot of very qualified people in this service. And if you don't stand, who will? Oh, not everybody's called to be in politics. But some of you are. You've dragged your feet, perhaps. You let the Holy Spirit speak to you, but we need to pray. We need to pray for godly leaders. We need to pray that we be leaders in our own home. You need to teach your kids. You need to teach your sons and daughters right and wrong from the Word of God, not from your opinion. 
That's not right. Why not? Because I said so. Wrong answer. Because after they get out of your said so world, they're going to do whatever they want. So they have to have a moral warehouse, as we say here at King's. You've got to build a moral warehouse. Why is it wrong to kill babies? Why? Because they're human beings. They're made in God's image. It's the worst crime that can be committed is murder. That's what you're doing. You're murder. Pray for God the leaders. Pray. And, and uh, I would say, additionally, act. Get involved in the political process. I have in my hand right here, anybody seen one of these? Do you know what this is? This is the mail-in ballot that's due by the 11th of June. Are you going to send it in? Would you please? Would you please vote? If the church doesn't stand up and we don't make a difference, he said, what can we do? Oh, simple. The enemies come in like a flood. But the Lord will raise up a standard. The Lord will raise up a... I can't make much of a difference. Yes, you can. Come on, somebody say, yes, I can. I can make a difference with God. You and God are a majority. You can make a difference. You pray, you bind, you loose, you take action. You give to, give to people that are godly politicians. And there are some. There's a few. But then again, you know, it takes a while to figure out people's character, too. Just because somebody says, oh, I love the Lord. You know how they love the Lord when they vote. In Washington, change their mind. Say they're against abortion and then vote for it. Oh, yeah. Now, I tr I'd looked up, tried to look, desperately tried to look up the voting records to see different uh, voting patterns of some of our leaders. And I had a very challenging time. Otherwise, I'd use their names. Are you serious? Absolutely. I have heard that some have changed their vote and I couldn't find concrete evidence and I think it's only because of my lack of ability to be able to find it. And for those, some of you that are political types and know all about that, get me the information. I'll shout their name right out loud out front on the next service. Why? Because you need to know. And they vote that way. They're not voting what they said they would vote. They've changed their mind. A backbiter is a a backstabber that misplaced their knife. Somebody get, invo get involved. Somebody say, I'm going to get involved. Now the point is, on a personal level, God will get involved in your life and bring breakthrough and help you. When the enemy comes in like a flood against your babies, against your marriage, you call out to God, repent of sin, get involved, pray, take action, and God will turn the situation in your family. He will turn it. And as he does for a family, he'll do for a town, for a village, for a borough, for a state, for a nation. That's what he does. Come on, somebody say, it's time to stand up. Worship team, would you come? All across this place, you say, Pastor, I'm moved. So am I. I'm going to raise the standard. Say it. I'm going to raise a standard. Raise a standard. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.